This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody? Happy Thanksgiving. We're getting into December. It was Thanksgiving a couple days ago, and the next day I saw Christmas ornaments all over the place. It was as if people had had that prepared, or maybe they were up on Thanksgiving. I don't know, but it's like the collapsing of, of time and space. We need to allow some space in between these things. It kind of feels like how the marching season is. There's no off time, really. You know, right now we're kind of in between competitive seasons. Marching band is wrapped up, at least from a competitive standpoint. The planning goes year round and we are kind of in the planning and teaching and designing part of the indoor season, which competitively kicks off, as we know, around that February mark for everybody. Guard might start a little earlier some places around the country, but for Drumline, it's start competing in February, at least where we are. Um, so it's a super exciting time of the year. No one's announced much yet. Everyone's pretty quiet. At one point, we were all announcing super early. Now it feels like everyone's waiting longer. So we're definitely going to wait longer to announce the GMU show just to, we don't want to be the first out. Um, but we're super excited about what we're doing. And it, it's, you know, another amazing season with that group. And I'm very excited to see what everyone's doing. And as things trickle out into the kind of, uh, you know, cyber sphere. Um, and that's very relevant to our guests today in, in terms of media, in terms of things leaking out and um, breaking things first. Um, we have someone, a personal friend of mine, um, that I wanted to get on here to chat today. Today's guest has been an active member of the marching arts since 2010. Uh, throughout his time, he was a performer, educator, a manager, a coordinator, and continues to combine his skill in documentation and media creation with the marching arts. He's been involved with ensembles like Pulse, the Mandarins, SCV, University of Nevada, Reno, and many more. Our guest is the proud owner and operations manager of the Marching Arts Community and Media Production Company, Marching Vlogs, and continues to educate at a local high school in Southern California. Everyone help me welcome Sergio Bravo. Sergio, what's up? How are we doing, dude? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> Dude, I'm excited to get you on. I always love having um, media people on because I kind of get to just get a little masterclass. And I think what got me excited for us to jump on specifically was I saw y'all hit 100,000 uh, followers on Instagram. Like, talk to me about that. Was that a surprise? Has there been like a groundswell in the last year? Because that feels like I remember when y'all were just kicking off and now you're like you're at 100 so talk to me about that 
Yeah, no, it's been cool. I think like the actual growth, at least in terms of like followers for marching vlogs is really just took off in the last, I'd say six months. Um, so it's been, it's been cool to see that growth happen so quickly, but you know, to be honest with you, marching vlogs has been going on for like, I think three years running now, mm -hmm. almost four. So the first, you know, first more than half of that inception has kind of just been a grind and, you know, regardless of the followers, it's been fun. So it's been cool to, to see the activity grow in the last three to four years and just still be involved since I started it after I aged out. So it's been cool, man. A hundred, hundred thousand followers is a cool. <laughs> That's a lot in the marching arts. That is especially a lot. Um, I have heard that I think in total, we have some like 400,000 fans period. So you might have a quarter of them following you on Instagram <laughs> with along with the other platforms. So that's kind of a crazy thing to think about. And I know I try not to think too much about, you know, that type of thing and overthinking the reach and things like that. But what about the last six months has specifically gotten things popping? Is it just like all these different plates that you were spinning and sort of these different ideas you had, they're all running full steam now. Like why the last six months have you just seen this like huge uptick? Uh, well, primarily the, the growth has been on Instagram. So I guess the last year has just been uh, interesting to watch because of the things we've done at Marching Vlogs to kind of change. Like we've been, at least for me, uh, I've been thinking about like how the algorithm works and how, how to reach more people, not just the marching people, but how am I going to tackle, you know, mm. kind of a wider audience. Um, and of course, still adhere to the niche of Marching vlog, uh, Arts. Yeah. and 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 pertain to the people that actually know what's happening um but i think you know with the growth on instagram like people love watching lot videos in particular and 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 i think more so the people in our activity love hearing the interviews that go on because we actually know the people that are talking um so a mixture of those two things kind of getting the people that are part of the arts to be on the content of marching vlogs but also documenting and and showing off kind of like how much uh, how much talent is in the activity and how much work is being put into like execute at a high level that all these groups tend to do you know so um, yeah the last year is just it's been different because of the way we've been attacking the algorithm at, on, on Instagram in a way. So is this your full time role? Have you like turned this into a full time job or are you working on the side as well? Full time? No, I would love it to be. I would love to just like spend all my time doing this. But no, I'm I'm primarily an educator. I'm a drummer myself, so I teach at high at a high school. And I used to teach at more, but I think it's been nice to just kind of focus on the one one gig that I have and and kind of turn more of my attention to marching vlogs. Right. Um, but yeah, teaching and also I'm still a waiter. Uh, very very part time to subsidize some, some bills, but yeah. I feel you. Yeah, you need some tax dollars happening there. So that's important. Um, so did are you self-taught with all this stuff? Because it seems like you have a really good understanding or instinct for it. Is this what you went to school for? Or did you just kind of figure out the social media content creation thing kind of naturally? That's interesting. You asked that. I did not go to school for any media creation or anything. Um, I've just been a really big fan of the marching arts since I uh, grew up in it and and kind of find my way in the world with marching arts. I feel like a lot of us who stick around 
tend to tend to do that, whether it's through teaching or other avenues. But yeah, no, I've just been a huge fan. I was I was a big uh, proponent of documenting my own summer. Mm. So during my age, uh, I was really focused on making sure that I had something to prove when I left and I aged out and I could look back uh, kind of like a journal. Um, yeah. but I, I, I did that through Instagram and just like, um, uh, recording my daily activities in drum corps and indoor. And after I aged out, I wasn't really interested in vlogging like my own life. So I, um, I turned to, to media creation in the marching arts and it kind of just meshed together all the, all the videography and all the photography that I've learned throughout the years all came after I created marching vlogs. So it's not like I was this videographer who wanted to shoot drums mm. and, and, and document the arts. I had a love for the marching arts and I found a way to kind of enhance my skills and, and bring more of that to light. Um, that's kind of what, you know, brought marching vlogs to life was, was the love for the arts and then learning all the skills to, to bring that out to the world. That's really interesting that I, I don't think people would assume that looking at what you're doing, cause it's so polished and you just have a solid brand. Like I really feel like y'all have that solid idea of what kind of voice you have and the type of personality that you provide to the marching arts, specifically with the takeovers. And it's your, your whole thing with, when you were marching and creating this video journal, I mean, that's essentially what those takeovers are. But then you're casting this net over every group with with including everyone that wants to do it, basically. Right. I think you you basically are like, let's get as many people involved. Let's you know, it's like more is almost more. And we can talk more about how you coordinate that, of course. But it's like I feel like that sounds a lot like what you sort of did naturally back then. Um, but to hear that you learn your technical skills as you were building the online brand and putting it out there is it's pretty wild but it's like you have a you have a target you have something around so it's instead of like i'm going to become a content creator you're like i have marching vlogs and in order to make marching vlogs work i need to learn how to like edit and turn over video like pretty quickly right yeah exactly you're spot on pretty much i mean i had a i had a little bit of a knack for video editing and like you know doing the social media thing for myself but i wasn't I didn't have a niche or anything. I was just kind of doing what everyone else does with social media. I just post right. what I do in my daily life. Um, but the idea of like documenting my age out came when someone told me like, wouldn't it be cool if we got an inside look of someone's experience every day in drum corps? Like, like, can you go anywhere online and kind of like look at someone's entire summer? Um, and there's avenues to that. Like people do the lots and people do, you know, they interview uh, directors and designers and techs and all this stuff, but no one really sees like a video journal of somebody's experience through drum corps. And us in the marching arts, we, we get it. We all, we've done it. But when, when you're like trying to tell somebody that isn't involved, like what this is, you kind of have to go through so many explanations, like, wait, you get paid <laughs> for this? Like you stay in the, you stay in a gym for yeah. how long? Like, so it was just interesting to me. I'm like, Ooh, that's a crazy idea. I'm aging out. I might as well try this. Like I might as well have something that I can look forward to when I'm older. Um, and I can look back on my youth in the marching arts when I was still marching. And it's fun though. I can still go on that Instagram account that I made called Sergio boy vlogs. Um, and I can scroll through the highlights and I have day zero all the way to like day 78 and when I click on day zero, like you can just see everybody's skin is so bright. But <laughs> by the yeah. end of like day 79, everybody's dark. And it's just cool to 
kind of see the progression of of everybody's like physical features um and and how tired everybody looks on final day but you know <laughs> that's a little scary yeah i was just thinking like it'd be super cool if you could get someone or like one member of each drum corps to take a one minute video of themselves like every day so you have like all every drum corps and it's like you could post, you know, or maybe it's not even a minute. Maybe it's like, you know, however long a reel is, a minute and a half. You're able to like edit them all together. And it's like this day-to-day thing. It's like, okay, maybe it's not a minute and a half video of each person. Maybe each person, like, it's like one word to describe each day. And then you can see, like, it'd be like every drum corps would be like hot, tired, exhausting, like all this stuff. But it would also be like some highs in there. Like it'd be kind of a social experiment because it reminded me. Yeah of the photo montage kind of projects people do when they take a picture of themselves every day for like 10 years and then they just go, Oh yeah. If you could do that with tour, but in a more like, you know, TikTok friendly way, that'd be pretty sick. And it would be like, cause what you're doing is you're giving this insight into like the real situation rather than like, cause even the lot videos are, are glamorous and glamorizing. Whereas like, something about the takeovers you guys do that I really like. And I kind of want to emulate with like, you know, the groups that I have any influence over is like the, it, the personalities behind the groups, mm-hmm. seeing the, the members not drumming. We see them all drum. Okay. Zach is the center of blue coats. And then like Elijah's center, blue devils, whatever. It's like, see them drumming the videos. It's like, I want to see like what they're like that allows them to prosper in these settings. And I love the, the takeovers about that so before i guess you know we're kind of talking about the origins of marching vlogs right but how did you like come up with this was it always about like we're going to provide this like different entry did you experiment like did you always know you were going to be more about video creation like sort of what was the the vision you had early up or did it develop talk to me a little bit about how you developed to this point yeah so i guess i already kind of went through like how I came up with the idea, but I'll, right. I'll talk about how I solidified the brand itself. Right. Um, so after I aged out, because I did takeovers for both Mandarins when I aged out in 2018, and then when I did Pulse Percussion in 2019, I also mm-hmm. logged that on a separate like Instagram cha- channel. Um, and like I kind of said already, I didn't want to vlog my life, but over those seasons, like people came uh, through my DMs. It was like, dude, I'd really love to seeing an inside look on what it's like to be at one of the top indoor groups. Like, mm-hmm. and, um, and I knew that that would be valuable because when I was a kid, like I remember looking up to these groups and thinking how intimidating, like how, how cool are these guys and how talented are these folks to just be executing like they do on the first try. Like, I just thought it was so like out of this world. So yeah. um, I knew that there was a value there. And I, I know doing that through my own vlogs was something I could give back to the community without like, I don't know, doing too much. Cause it was already part of what I was doing on the weekends. You know, I just had to pull my camera out and share it. Um, and then, so anyway, after I aged out, um, Gridbook or more specifically Mark Perrette yeah. um, has been very vocal about how much he enjoyed the idea that I was doing with my own vlogs. Um, so he had this, he pretty much just messaged me, going, wouldn't this be cool if this was in a centralized, like, brand? Like, what if we got, you know, who, who would be down to, to make an Instagram account just for takeovers, just to, like, see the process of different ensembles? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of how it started. It was just a, a conversation between me and Mark Perrette and, and if you didn't know, and even for the viewers watching, like Gridbook used to do this thing 
um, where they did Snapchat takeovers mm-hmm. back in the day, like maybe a couple of years before I started marching blogs. And he, uh, Mark Perrette would tell me all the time how, how logistical that process was, like how much more of a nightmare it was in terms of like getting them on board and making sure they knew the rules and what to do and what not to do. And, you know, who would be the right person to take over? How would we represent the brand properly? How would we represent the ensemble properly? So uh, I didn't realize at the time that it was going to be like a logistical nightmare. Yeah. But I can now tell you that it ha- it is a process to get somebody on the takeovers. Um, so the origin, my blogs, then Mark Pret hit me up. And then honestly, when we were talking about it, I was like, what would be a good name for this? He was like, dude, marching vlogs is literally not taken and so i just made the gmail right then and there we made the instagram like the same day and then we started planning for like you know what it could be um we we started off with a basic idea um we started with five uh different uh members from different drum corps to take over for seven days Mm -hmm. so the cool thing about what i did when i was marching was you could see the whole summer Right. It was kind of like a day in, day out experience. I could imagine some kid opening up their phone and going, Sergo Boy Vlogs. Interesting. What's going on today? Right. Um, And you kind of lose that when you're not doing it for more than like a period of time. So I thought it would be a good place to start would be seven days at uh, five different drum corps. And we would launch it five weeks before DCI finals. So we had talked about this before the summer started, but that was our target date it was going to be five weeks before dci uh, finals and we were going to get a week and plan it all out um and it was a huge success to be honest i think after we released our first post introducing what marching blogs was we already had you know the idea and the plan and uh the people in place to kind of make that first season happen and to be honest with you i didn't know what was going to happen after that Mm -hmm. i just thought like hey let's do this for the indoor too and that's kind of when things started to just, I was like, man, this is going to be a bigger, bigger deal. I, I think I'm going to stick with this for a little bit. Cause one thing about me is I've, I've always been very like interested in entrepreneurial endeavors. Like I, I have a knack for wanting to do business and stuff like that, but I just didn't have anything. I didn't have an idea. Um, and so marching vlogs to me was like the perfect brainchild. It was like, this is the marching arts and there's like an entrepreneurial endeavor that um that can mesh together and become something cool i thought it was a no-brainer so i just kind of ran with it since then and now we're almost four years into it so i like the name i think the name was on point it's like what is this it's marching vlogs and it's super just i don't know it's it, it applies across a lot which i think is super dope and i mean it sounds like um you know of course we can talk about content creation but it's like the content strategy part of it is so crucial. And, you know, I've seen what flow marching does in every season. And it's like, you take any given season and you have an understanding of how the preseason breaks down, how the competitive season breaks down. And then you can kind of play with that creatively as the, as the content strategist and be like, Hey, like, it's really fun to see behind the scenes before the shows even hit the floor before the uniforms are on. It's like, that's a really awesome part of the year. And for the, anyone who's not in, in it, um, they're not part of that. So I actually think like what, what you do, what flow does as well, you know, what we all do is 
um, extend the season out a little bit, extends the reach a little bit from like a time standpoint. And it just, it's like, Hey, like this is happening almost all year round and you can engage with the marching arts all year round. And I think that's kind of an interesting behind the scenes part of it that you don't necessarily think about because so much overlap. And uh, that leads me to just ask you. And I was wondering, you know, because I, I was, you know, thinking going in an episode today, I was like, oh, it's kind of a weird part of the year. Like no one's actually competing right now. So for marching vlogs, like what does a week right now, this time of year, you know, November 30th look like? What does your day to day kind of look like? How much time are you putting into it so that you can keep the ball rolling and, and keep things happening? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, marching vlogs, since I'm just doing it in my bedroom, <laughs> it's like I don't. I could just do whatever, whenever. And that's like, honestly, the biggest challenge of something like this. Like when I have a job that someone adheres me to, it's kind of like I have a, a regime and something I have to get done. But with marching vlogs, it's always just kind of like, what do I do to keep this thing going? And, and, and to answer that, there's a few things that kind of continue no matter what. Um, and the takeovers are obviously one of those things like it started the whole brand and it continues to be probably the most consistent form of content that marching vlogs uh, makes um and only because mainly i don't have to make content like somebody else is going out there and getting the content for marching vlogs um, which i think is a really smart uh content strategy yeah um, if you find a way for your viewers to make the content for the viewers. Um, it's, it's really just figuring out how to do that. And that's mainly what I am doing on the back end is trying to find the vloggers, make sure that they are uh, signing on to the account properly, making sure that they understand what it takes to have a good vlog. Um, and, you know, logistically speaking, that's what my job is. Um, you know, when you look at marching vlogs, you don't, really see my face like maybe a couple times uh but i'm more so just the the guy making all of that happen um so my week is like sitting at my computer going on instagram kind of figuring out where people are at right now who's marching where who would be good for that um and over the how many seasons do we have now like six or seven seasons of takeovers and i and i base seasons like wgi season dci season um every season i have been kind of solidifying and making the process of logging someone on mm -hmm. faster, easier, and less time consuming. Uh, so fun story, like when I first, the first season, oh my God, I was literally spending so much time every morning. Like I was working throughout the day from like 10 a.m. And then I would teach at like 5 p.m. So I'd have two jobs, but every morning from like 7 a.m. to like 9.30, I would be on my computer figuring out how to get takeovers rolling, scheduling them, making sure they all have the passwords and changing the passwords at mm -hmm. the right time. Um, but yeah, now, now we're like season seven and I have multiple spreadsheets, actually just one master spreadsheet, but within that spreadsheet, you know, I have links and quick access to literally everything I need to do to onboard someone. Um, and if it doesn't seem like a lot, like I'll, I'll quickly go through what I have to do, right? I have to get them to apply, which gives me all of their basic information, right? I take that, uh, and within that application, by the way, is kind of like an interview portion. Um, like, what is your highest priority? 
Like the last thing I want is someone to take over and they're like not keeping up with the responsibilities of rehearsal. And then like the staff and everyone else is like, dude, what are you doing? And, that and, then, and then, yeah. And then he goes, oh, I'm doing marching blocks. And then that looks bad on marching blocks, right? So that win. honestly is my biggest fear because I don't, I know what it takes to be on something like that. And I do not want marching blocks to like be a distraction. So, you know, those are the things I think about when getting someone on and that's part of the application process. Um, there's, there's strategic questions in that application that kind of gives me enough info to like realize if this person is going to be a solid vlogger, not just in terms of content, but in terms of keeping up with their own responsibilities, because that's honestly what's more important. Right. Um, we, we have a privilege and, um, you know, we're, we're privileged to see that the activity, um, but when they're actually working within it, that, that to me is just way more important. Um, so, and then after that process, right, I, I look at that, see who would be good for it. And then I move them into another spreadsheet, which gives me information on like, how am I going to, um, you know, introduce this person? Um, where do they come from? Where are they marching? Um, you know, stuff like what their Instagram handle is, their email. Mm -hmm. Um, and just making sure that I have everything I need to give them the next thing, which is the contract. So I have them sign a contract, which makes them legally liable if anything goes wrong with marching blogs. Um, I give them all the, the pros to doing a takeover, but also all the like, you know, just be careful right now. Like you're, you're representing your ensemble, you're representing marching blogs, you're representing yourself. You don't want to ruin that. So you know, there's just things within that contract that kind of give us the right to terminate or um, honestly sue them if they do anything wrong with the brand. Like if they delete everything, for example, right? Like as as everything becomes more of an asset, there's a there's kind of a, a little word in there that, or a little spot that goes like you're legally liable when you have this account. Like we will come after you. And I'm not trying to make it a bad thing, but it just needs to be mm. needs to be said to protect not only marching blogs, but even the ensembles that are right. being represented. So um, it is quite the process to get them on. And, and to go back to your question, I've, I've spent less and less time nowadays on that process and more and more about what else can marching blogs do. Right. Um, like, you know, like just be, because in the beginning, we didn't have any of the videos that are out now, like in, in terms of the lot videos or like the interviews or even marching blogs drumline, which came like, you know, a year or two after the inception. Um, so it's more about kind of planning for the future and making sure that the current content is still being pushed out. Absolutely. So when you talk about kind of your, your, uh, you know, management of all of this, you know, you're, you're very much the coordinator and sort of the person moving things along and dictating kind of how the process actually happens. Um, what are you just using from like a technical standpoint to, make marching vlogs happen you're talking about using spreadsheets and just sort of overseeing kind of the, that logistical side what other tools do you utilize are you overseeing some kind of like social media planning system or is everything done manually um how are you working across the you know variety of people that work under the marching vlogs umbrella just talk a little bit about how you how you do that yeah so last this past year has been uh, about expanding the team in my my eyes because i know like for myself, one day I don't want to be doing all this stuff all the time. Like I, I just I'm already getting tired of some of the things that I'm doing, and I'm like I don't see myself doing this forever. Um, 
but that's where the expansion comes in. So uh, like trying to delegate more people to do smaller tasks for marching blogs has been a big thing. Um, so in terms of like what we do, there's there's a few programs that I'm trying to use. Like I utilize the Google ecosystem like crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I try not I try not to be on any hardware anymore because if I'm gonna be moving about traveling or whatever, like I need to just have access either on my phone or on my laptop. So the Google ecosystem has been huge for anything content wise. Um, I use planning apps like Later.com to make sure that I can sit down and plan content for the week. Um, I also use Adobe products to make my videos and edit my photos. Um, you know, Marching Vlogs is a, a legal uh, entity, so I have you know banking systems in place and all these things to to make sure that that's all good in terms of the legal aspect. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Like Marching Vlogs also has weekly meetings that we have. Um, that's been slowing down recently because of all the bands uh, finals and. Um, but usually we have maybe about one to two hours that we all just kind of chat together and, and kind of talk about like the next week and see what we need to get done. Um, for example, like I have photographers that are homies of mine that are down for the cause. So whenever they have photos, they'll, when we have the meeting, that's, that'll be their only job for those two hours is like uploading photos and making captions. And maybe we don't talk about anything else, but those two hours kind of just like solidify and make sure that stuff is being done at marching vlogs because you know if if we don't talk or we don't meet kind of things just get lost in text messages and right um stuff like that so so um you're basically running a company right i mean that's kind of what it is and you know obviously there must be some form of monetization coming in uh how kind of where where are things out with that are you generating income and are you like profitable right now or are you able to like pay people are they doing it on a volunteer are you able to pay yourself because you said you know this would be great if you could turn this into a job so it's like if it's not yet how do you foresee uh making it you know at least your job yeah yeah that's a great question something i i continue to try and figure out um and i think we're close there's there's some things i'm trying to do next year that i won't spill the beans on too much but i'm hoping it'll be the method of how we make money um, uh, but until we like really solidify that i'm not too sure that's the avenue but right now um, in terms of how we make money there's a few ways um, obviously or maybe not so obvious but ad content ad content has been probably the most consistent way of making money um, it's grown steadily but i wouldn't say it's anything i could live off of anytime soon um, the like I know YouTubers and stuff can make lots of money on content, but I think you really need a lot of followers for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say I'm still in like the grind to make that happen. Um, so ad revenue steadily growing, but not enough, I'd say. Um, in terms of other ways we make money, I'm also a freelance videographer. Um, so I I take on jobs where they have me either shoot, edit, or both. Uh, for example, this past year in the summer, Vanguard found me through marching vlogs. Uh, they said they like the way I work and how that has grown, and they think I'd be perfect to help document their season. So uh, I do. I run all of my business in terms of freelancing through the entity of marching vlogs. Mm. Uh, so that's that's the other way I make money. I'd say that's the more substantial way that marching vlogs makes money because I I honestly don't even pay myself out. 
like anything that it's put into the MV account is just rotated back into either buying more equipment or paying for the monthly upkeeps that that is uh, causing that it's causing. Right, right. That's super cool, though. So that's like a face of your business. That's not as obvious as that you actually sort of are able to go and almost consult with a group or, you know, you're implanting marching blogs skill set and sort of understanding of how to create good content for marching arts. And you're like, hey, I'm going to help Vanguard, for example. And it's a huge part of about growing them just the marching arts reach is like, it's not just the access that the access makes them look cool, as cool as they deserve to look. Because if you have unbridled content creation and it's shitty, it's actually like worse, right? I mean, it's like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we're like in the 90s with it in some of these ways. And um, I think that's a really cool side of it that I was not aware of. I thought y'all were kind of just on the, you know, kind of social media thing. And I think YouTube too, like you said, it's like probably need a million subscribers to make some substantial month to month money so it's like you know i guess to get back to your point in the way that you you are kind of thinking about content do you see yourself being able to grow your content in terms of its breadth in terms of its its kind of you know reach beyond the marching arts so that you could see yourselves hitting like a, a million subscribers on youtube like how would you go about doing that yeah that's a great question and if i knew the answer i, I would jump on that like soon but What's your answer I, <laughs> I guess uh i don't know the content thing is cool because it ends up being passive eventually right so you you make you make all this content for however long and and the hope is people will still watch it in the future and i think youtube is a great place to do that um youtube has become what i've learned the second biggest um search engine on yeah. the internet next to google. Um, and next to google and it's funny because google still owns youtube so you know, it, it's all part of the same thing. Yeah. And, um, I think that's where marching blocks is kind of going towards. I think this next year, that's what, in terms of content, I'm trying to bank on more. Um, and since we're talking about the money aspect, um, YouTube shorts is going to be monetized soon. So mm. I, I, I really am going to be banking on YouTube, I think in the future. Because uh, right now Instagram is monetized through Reels, but YouTube Shorts, which is like the same kind of content, yeah. is not. Um, so it, it's interesting. I think we're making more money on Instagram than YouTube, which is usually not the case for a lot of brands. Uh, but that's just because Reels is monetized. Um, How do they monetize the Reels? Just through like the amount of views? Because there aren't ads on Reels, are there? Yeah, it's not clear to me exactly i think there's like a fund that instagram has that they have like this monthly i think they get it through ads but they don't they don't show them in the reels right i don't know i think when you scroll through reels sometimes you'll see an ad but it looks like a reel so it doesn't feel like an ad i guess because um, like on youtube the way you see ad is you, you click on a piece of content and then the ad plays on top of the content right but with reels you kind of just get shown an ad or you get shown a video and it just all kind of looks the same. So I think that's where it is. Don't quote me on that. But uh, there is a monthly uh, limit to how much like we can make on Instagram. And you still have to get a ridiculous amount of views. I think it's like, I think we can make $8,500 if we reach 83 million views on Reels. And and it, it is all based on how many views you get. So it's not like how many people look at the ad on your video like YouTube. But how many views does your actual reel get that's how much is contributing to how much of the ad revenue we will be giving to you so 
the more views we get in a month, the more money we make. So it's wow. ever since we were monetized, and I still remember when we got monetized. We got monetized on Instagram like the day before WGI finals. It was like the time when I was with you at GMU. Like we went back to the place we were at in Dayton and I got a I got a little notification that says you are now eligible for bonus in reels. And I was like, dude, this is huge. So we, we posted a reel and we made like it was it was stupid for how many views we got, but it was like 50 bucks for a certain amount of views. And I was like, dude, I, f- I don't remember the last time I made 50 bucks on one YouTube video with thousands of views. Like this is right. ridiculous. Like, but I found out shortly <laughs> that after you hit a hundred bucks, it caps off so slow. Yeah. Like eat, making a hundred bucks on Instagram reels is so easy. And then like to get to 200 is like a million views, but it only takes 10,000 to make a hundred bucks. Like it, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> that always, yeah. So it's more about pushing like a high volume. They want you to create a lot of videos, not singular videos that go viral, right? Depends. I think some people's strategies are different. I've seen Instagram like content creators have 1 million view on one reel. They won't post for a while. You know, it just, it really depends how much reach your views are at, or videos are actually getting. Like I know YouTubers, I've seen YouTubers that only post like once a month, but their views are like, millions because the quality is crazy right um, and so and so they just make so much money off of one video so i guess it depends you could pump out lots of small viewed videos and still make the same amount of money it just depends right. on how you want to go about it so everything right now and and you guys are obviously killing the real thing and i saw you have your tiktok and obviously with youtube shorts it's like the minute and a half video thing, I don't think lends well to a chunk of music or to like a snippet, a vignette of behind the scenes. Like it, it lends well to the content you're already capturing. So it's like you can take longer form content, turn it into a ton of reels. And then you're just like, bop, 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 making sure it's coming out in a way where it's like you're giving credit to each group and it's not like super homogenous. It's all blue devils and, you know, pulse or whatever. But right. um, when we think about YouTube, YouTube is really awesome because of the length of the videos. Like I am very, I like watching podcasts on YouTube or I watch, I mean, I watch a lot of skate videos by um, because they're free and it's like Nike SB or trans world comes out with so many, you know, or thrashers coming out with all these videos. So it's like, when I think about what you guys do, are you currently doing long form like documentary style? Is that something you're looking into? Because I could see you guys taking over like what ESPN tried to do, what, you know, that Cadets Blue Devils, the rock weird thing maybe was. Oh, like, yeah. There, there's almost like a space. There's like a longer form space that you're talking about on YouTube. Um, I, I don't know if that's already happening, but that's definitely a, a great area. And it's it's one I like. I like. A little bit longer form personally so what what, yeah. what are you thinking about that in terms of youtube and and video length yeah yeah um yeah youtube next year is going to be a bigger like focus i think we focused a lot on instagram um and i think we're we solidified the content um, in terms of how we get the instagram content which is the takeovers um and what right now actually what i'm doing what i have been doing is all the long form contents that we make like like the lot videos or like some of the interviews and just some of the creative bigger projects that we do all go on YouTube and those get cut up on Instagram. So I think like Instagram is going to be okay. We don't focus on it as much because of what we've done already. Um, and it's just a great medium, right? Like I think people are on Instagram to talk to people more often than 
like Facebook nowadays. Right. Um, so, you know, having that close connection with the fan base, especially since we have so many on Instagram, is it's going to be really important for us to like still be on there and make sure that's still growing. Uh, but in terms of growing the actual brand and, and um, because mo- money is going to be a factor, right? I think YouTube has a bigger, um, bigger net in terms of how much money we can make because of the long form content and the, the shorts that will soon be monetized. Um, and just like you, I like listening to podcasts too. Um, and there's, there's definitely a lot being planned in this moment of the year that we're going to push next year so sure. long form content is still something where we're heavily going to be invested in. lot videos are still going to come out and the the lot videos are cool because we try not to just do lot videos like i i have I'm, i try to push getting mic'd in the in the lot i know a lot of people like are kind of weird about that but they are weird I, about it yeah <laughs> it is and i i always have a i always have a little hinge on my shoulder like dude i don't know <laughs> what's the like, problem though why can't when people say they don't want to get mic'd up in the lot why, what do they say i don't they don't really have a problem with it it's more like I, I don't think they want to tell me what the problem is like i don't want to it's either an insecurity of like i don't want people to hear what i'm saying to the kids or like um i just i don't i don't want that like hanging over my head because of what i what i said and i get that like I think some people want to go and teach and just be comfortable and like, just like want to run their group like they're used to, but like being on a mic and camera, just, I get it. It's different. Um, so I, I still try to push it and I do get rejected sometimes. Um, and it's kind of hurtful, but it's okay. It's all for the, it's all for the love of the activity. <laughs> well, you always know you can mic up GMU staff. <laughs> yeah. Dude, GMU was fun, man. I, I still talk to John a bit about that time. Just like even when we interviewed you in the in the tent and he like got your shoes and everything, I, those are some of my highlights of, of that trip. It's just oh, GMU's yeah. vibe has been awesome. I've always been a huge fan. Dude, that's <laughs> crazy! The fact that you marched Pulse and you know it was awesome when you guys hit me up and I had been following you guys obviously and just like oh this is like a good Instagram account. You don't really think like what's going on behind the scenes or whatever, but um, when you guys hit me up, I was like dude like if we have West coast guys that have nothing to do with what we do, it's not like we march together, you know, I didn't teach you, you know, the people I teach, like they get it, they're on the inside of it. But when it's like, you know, and it's more, it's more so you personally as your background and where you come from, then it is like, Oh, you're the dude who runs this big ass platform. I'm all about it. Like I'm always down to collaborate. You already know, and we should definitely do that. And we will. Um, but it's like to have fans in like you or John coming through, it's like, we like what GMU is doing. And it's like, okay, that tells me I am doing something right because I want fans from pulse and from Vanguard and from groups that I have nothing to do with. I didn't march. I'm not in like, not that I'm not influenced by that. I didn't receive the direct influence of as a member. Yeah. Um, so it was just super cool. Cause it's like, dude, like I, I just want to, have fans i want people to understand what we're doing artistically and connect with it and it's like i feel like sometimes you guys and the and the fans in the you know out there get it more than the judges do which <laughs> you know i don't know what to feel about that in some way it's flattering i'm not sure yeah no i've always been a fan man. I, I think the style of gmu and, and your influence to that group is has been it's been cool to watch like from afar because like i i get influenced by groups that i'm here and then i hear about people around it and then that has an influence and then some people don't like it and that has an influence but i like being far away from groups and just seeing them and going cool i like that that's tight 
you know? So that, that was kind of the vibe I got from GMU. Cause I, I don't, you know, I'm not close with anyone at GMU. Like yeah, I've, I've, I've met you online. I've met you in person, but like, I didn't, like you said, I didn't teach or, or march with you or anything. Um, and I actually used to watch you when you were still at uh, Cavaliers. I think I was, was that 2011 or 2012? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah 10, I was like, yeah, I was like my first year and a half in like drumming, marching percussion. I was just like, <laughs> oh, we're all these cool. So it, it's just been cool to watch from afar. And, and you've been awesome. You've always been very welcoming and, and a nice guy. So it, it, it just helps to the whole idea that GMU's created. And it's it's been cool, man. Dude, I appreciate that. It's like, I I, I don't know. I guess because I do this. Um, so I have put a lot out there not everything of course like you could never understand not you but one could not understand what it's like to be in my shoes go through a season or go through the last 10 years that I've been doing but I feel like there's so few people that are at the level that I'm at designing especially for indoor drumline now and taking a stake in it in the way that like our team has and then is willing to talk about it in a space that's not like the advisory board with all the doors closed and I've tried to be a person who is like, yo, like, this is how I've gotten here. This is what I've gone through. And this is continuing to what I go through and being very transparent about that. And not everyone likes that. And not every ensemble likes that. Mason certainly has always been so cool about everything that we do and like is the most supportive organization you can imagine. But it's like, dude, I want to know, like, all right, like, what does it take, you know, Ian Grom to do what he does? Like, I know he does interviews, but he he's always being interviewed. He's not necessarily, you know, he's always in that seat. So it's like, I just don't know him to that extent. I always use him as an example because he's such like a perfect product of arranging and composition and professionalism. And it's like, I want to see behind the scenes with him and like what they do and what him and John do, like, you know, with box six, I should just ask them to do an interview. Cause I haven't, um, yeah. they're super professional. You know what I mean? And like, I, I seek to be professional and of course all those things, but also like, I don't know. It's like, you want to hear the coach mic'd up on the field. Yeah, for sure, man. I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, when you, when you catch them swearing, you catch Bill Belichick bugging out on the field. You're like, Oh damn. Like these players, like, you know what it takes to be at the level that we, we see the kids being at is they can deal with that at times, yeah. um, deal with the roughness, deal with just the difficulty of the day to day. And it's like, it provides you that insight that we talked about before, but anyway, that's all to say, I am literally always down to like throw the doors open to you guys. Like it was super sick. Like our members got, you know, that venue is terrible, but our members finals, we got you guys coming through setting the cameras up and it gave them, it told them that they mattered more than just me telling them. I of course tell them that all the time and that what we're doing is special, but it was like, look, they're here. And I did not book this. Like you guys took your time to capture us in our, some of our final moments and they're going to have that to watch forever. Like that's super dope. It must feel cool in your shoes to like create that for other people now. And the way you talked about creating for yourself. Yeah, man. Uh, you, you brought up a lot of good things that just like blew up in my head. Because uh, the first thing I will say is when you say like when people are in the midst of the grind and they just say things like because I've mic'd up a, quite a few people already. It's funny because I don't really say everything and I and I shouldn't release everything <laughs> uh but when i get to edit everything it's like did i hear that right that's fucking funny <laughs> you know like 
Like I've heard, I've heard people say things. I'm like, that's cool. You're human. I get it. But like, when you look at them in a, in a professional light, you would never think they'd say something like that. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and I, and I totally understand that. Like it, it really puts the rawness of like what we do in perspective. Cause like, we're all just humans trying to make it happen. And that's one of the things that actually I get a lot of like credit for in terms of marching blogs. Like I get DMS every once in a while. And, and sometimes during specific periods, like the end of the season where they just come, and they say, dude, you help me see how like normal these people are. Like, it's not so intimidating. Like you've encouraged me to go mm. audition, you know, like you, you let me get over that hump of being afraid to be around people that, you know, they're so good at drums. Like, Cause that is intimidating. Like I remember still learning how to drum and trying to do that. And I'm just like, I can't do that. that. That's, that's intimidating. You know? So it's been, it's been a pleasure to, to hear that from people. Um, um, and what else did you say? You said, oh, the GMU thing. Yeah, man. I, I think when we got there and, and John and I and Ben were just talking about how, how cool GMU is. And like, you, you definitely don't have to tell your members that because they, we, we, I guess we should do that more because it's just cool, man. They like to see what GMU has been doing and the vibe. And I love the way you guys play the drums. Like the style is just so cool. Um, and, and yeah, by the way, all that stuff's coming out like all the show the show stuff that that documentary that we were kind of like making oh, yeah, yeah. So i didn't i'm still in the midst of editing everything like i got monarch i got gmu and pulse and pulse is gosh, so sick pulse is gonna be a lot it's just we we followed them all the way down the tunnel and like to the moment where they like won and everything so that's so it, sick yeah, I, I'm glad that I'm doing this for myself to watch, but I can only imagine how excited some people might be to like kind of see that that's that's going to come out eventually. Because I've got messages, people go, "Hey, when's that stuff coming out?" Like even GMU members are like, "Hey, when are those videos coming out?" And I always have to say like, "It's in the works. It's almost there." Because it yeah. is a lot, man. Like I go through my hard drive, and it's hours of footage just from one ensemble. And oh yeah. And like to get myself motivated enough after like a long day teaching or even just working on other stuff, I'm like, oh, dude, I have to edit that. Okay, okay, here we go. <laughs> you know, it's not easy at all. It is not, honestly, and especially when we're talking about drumming and sound and just you're you're trying to optimize and maximize everything so that when you put it out, this is the thing: is like it was however clean it was, but you can't make it seem dirtier, or you're gonna get someone knocking down your door like, hey. Please. <laughs> these edits are like exposing like this, this, and this, that I don't want. So you have to just, I'm sure. And of course, being from the activity, you have a perspective on that. You're not like being flagrant and like, Oh, like posting dirt reps, you know, even though like, if it is dirty, it's dirty. So I don't, (laughs) it's not really your responsibility, but if you're, you know, I know the way people are when you're talking about the mic'd up thing, or we're talking about vlogging behind the scenes, like there's just honestly, like, hard to play clean like a lot of groups Mm -hmm. like it's kind of okay until it's time to step up and like that's kind of a factor in what we do at the highest level is like you can't maintain the high high level for eight hours a day it's just not something you can do now you can reach levels of focus and clarity in 13 minutes of a dci show like i've done it and it is possible but like we didn't we weren't super clean all day, every day, you know? So um, it's, I, I can imagine you're balancing that like, oh, I need to like make sure that I'm presenting every group as well as I can. And that's like an artistic choice when you're in the editing seat, I would imagine. Yeah, that resonates with me a lot because the more I'm in the activity that um, as, as a viewer, right? The more like 
and and I marched right so I I get it I get what it's like to be in the seat and like trying to reach the like the cleanest possible moment um but the longer I'm away from being an actual performer the more I realize like exactly what you said like it's so hard to play clean like our, our ears are so in tune now after I think this is my fifth fourth year fifth year of being aged out and like just hearing drums as a viewer it, I, I can hear dirt and it happens so much more than people realize like the cleanest groups are not even like piss piss clean like there's always there's always something and and you might get that in like the actual final run right like all the rehearsals leading up to it like that's what makes them have that all the mistakes that are happening so i think when i get pushback from people that like don't want to get mic'd up or like say oh that's dirty or something um i i take that with a grain of salt because like is it actually like that dirty okay it is yeah i get it we'll scrap it um, but if it's like you know little bits of of clarity issues during a lot like come on man people are gonna be watching this you know like in person you can't edit that out of their ears you know so almost like what's the difference if i put it online i guess it gets stamped forever but also you're viewing you're presenting your ensemble so if you're ready you're ready you know like if you're not then what's another what's another like rehearsal gonna do to that if you're already at the end of the season you know so it, yeah it's, it's one of those things like i i don't think i hear clean as much as i used to when i was not tuned to the drumming you know what i mean no. like so it's over those days are gone <laughs> yeah those days yeah. are gone i it's you're on the other side of it like i remember you know we talk about this sometimes too is like i remember watching like cavaliers 2002 when i was you know I, in high school um because i started marching in 05 it was my first year drum course so i'm like you know I'm, I'm a little bit older than you but it was like i remember seeing 2002 cavaliers I was like this is perfect <laughs> like marching cavaliers and then watching the videos of frameworks i'm like they are awful like that is <laughs> that is a bad year for them you know <laughs> considering the era they were in too and it was like whoa like you know you get on the other side of it and it's just the you see it differently is what i will say mm -hmm. you know it becomes so granular and technical and um you know i don't i, don't, I just don't believe to totally in like the withholding till the perfect moment and i know some people that's very much their their vibe with their group is like we're not gonna like show this until like we're ready we're in control of our narrative and like i think that's fine i also think like when you watch basketball they're missing shots but they just keep going and it's like yo you're gonna miss some shots but it's like you don't turn the broadcast off because like they're missing a free throw. Like, I just don't really, I don't think that's leading to like an improvement in the overall culture. I think it's like more of the artistic side of things. And people are very like, I'm going to roll this out to my, my pleasing. And, and that's fine. I, you can do it any way you want. I just, I like the transparency. I like working with you guys. I like working with flow marching or whomever um, drum corps coffee shops. Another one that shows a lot of love west coast guys and they're just like doing their thing but it's like yo come inside like i want to show that process you know so again after we get off we'll talk about how we can do that with mason but um sure. so while we're you know kind of uh in the back half of the interview here i want to just hear sort of like uh because we've talked a little bit more about how you've built a brand and and kind of how you sustain it and your and your vision for it at least up to this point what do you like about social media like what's the thing that's drawn you what's the thing that's made you naturally equipped to be pretty successful at it i'd say 100k is success especially in the marching space what do you like about it and then what are some things that you would change about it mm, that's a tough question 
<laughs> it's kind of like uh, hate the game, not the player, and that's kind of what I'm doing. Because, because like I, I have my love and hate relationship with social media, and I, I battle with this throughout my days all the time. Because um, now that I'm building a brand, and I've been in it for like four years. I can't tell you how much I hate being on my phone as much as I am. Like it, it really is kind of a distraction. So I guess the biggest thing I hate about social media is how how much like everything is built for you to be addicted. Um, and what I love about social media is that there's two sides to that, right? You could be the consumer or you could be a producer, which is what I'm trying to be more of, less of a consumer, more of a producer. And it gives me like some sort of purpose with people I don't have direct reach to. Um, so that's probably the biggest reason why I love social media, but the, the downfall of it is like, it's just, I could be easily a consumer and I, I can only imagine what that's like for people who don't have like a brand or something they're doing on social media, people that are just kind of stuck in the loop. Um, and it's all about balance, but yeah, those are those to answer your question. Those are the people that say great answers. Honestly, those are more, uh, I'd say cogent than what I'd probably be able to say, but I, I think that was super on point. Um, for you in your seat, having some success and building this brand, what makes someone a good content creator in your eyes? Like, how do you personally measure success? Obviously, there's like the data analytics and there's the tools you can use just to see kind of like what works and what doesn't. But then there's also the instinct portion. Like, for you, are you instincts driven? Are you data driven? What would make someone the ideal content creator so they could build a brand like you have? Hmm. See, the thing is, I don't think I'm that much of an ideal content creator. <laughs> like I think I'm, I'm doing is cool, but I don't know that I'm like, I could sit down in front of a camera all the time and like produce content like that. Uh, and I think that's what actually makes a good content creator is because they could tell a story with themselves and constantly create through just like their words and, and paint stories like um, some of the people that I follow online all the time have this incredible knack to create a story with their voice. Uh, and that's something I actually want to try and tackle in the future. So I'll update on, on that in, in a couple of years, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but what makes someone a good content creator, I'd say, is to have a niche, um, have a following that actually cares about what you're doing um, and, and kind of just sticking to the mission that you like you started with or at least are trying to hold so those are those are some things that i try to keep in my head as i make marching vlogs content am i am i giving like the viewers something that they actually want to watch is it because it's what i want to watch most likely because i'm just a big fan um so i kind of use that and that's i guess to tap on to what you're asking that's kind of where the instinct is right like i am a performer educator in the marching arts so i am involved in some way that i understand how things move and operate um, i can see where the the attraction to the marching arts is i can see where people dislike the marching arts so um, in terms of instinct and like making the right choices and what to make and stuff uh, that's kind of where i fall right because i'm involved um, in terms of the metric stuff uh, I think it's cool that like I've reached such a feat of a hundred thousand, but it doesn't feel any different than it was at like eight, nine thousand. To be completely honest with you, it's it just like a, a huge ego boost. Like, oh wow, I, I built this brand up to a hundred k. But more so, the more question to me is like, what am I doing with it? You know. Um, so I guess that's what I'm trying to do is just continue to to push the mission that I've been uh, building since the beginning, which is which is uh, to bridge the gap between performers and the members and the viewers and 
you know, everyone involved to just kind of close that gap. Um, so I think that's what makes me a good content creator for the marching arts. Um, and I think if anybody else wanted to make content for the marching arts, I think they would have to do the same. They would, you know, I, I see a bunch of people like Forte Athletics, Trump Corps Coffee Shop, you know, all these brands that are actually making a good name for themselves and they're tackling just that. Uh, Forte Athletics is really good about putting together content that helps people get, you know, closer to their goals. So they have that mission behind them. Um, I think the the metrics and stuff is just a good tool to let you know if you're on the right track. And sometimes it can even be deviating. Like, like I kind of mentioned earlier, like not everyone that follows marching gloves is a marching person. Right. That's totally, that's totally okay. Uh, but sometimes people watch because of, um, well, my mind goes to a video that I don't really want to highlight, but it's probably one of our most, most viewed videos. And I wouldn't even say that I would support the actions that were happening inside that video. So it's like, it, it, I'll just tell you, it was the, it was the time when somebody threw a stick in a drum head, like somebody broke a drum head with their stick. Was that, and, well, Drew guy did that one of his INEs 2011, I believe. Yeah, for sure. And uh, someone just did that in a rehearsal. They just stabbed the drum head. Yeah, and they got a video of it, but they were changing the heads. So it's like it was a broken head to begin with. It was just kind of like it was kind of like a funny thing that somebody recorded um, and got. And and I thought it was funny because he's changing head, broken anyway. Let's post this video, and it like got so many views. But what I came to realize is like the comments are full of people who don't understand the marching arts that were negatively like portraying what was happening, which makes sense. Like if I didn't know what was happening, why would this guy just destroy a perfectly good drum head? You know, but it wasn't a perfectly drum head. They were changing the head. It was already pulled and broken. But like, you kind of have to be in the marching arts to know that. So, you know, the metrics of like how much we're getting in terms of viewership and all that can be, you know, it could be deviated. It doesn't necessarily mean it's like successful. Well, that video example is such a perfect point because the reality is your data and your metrics could be skyrocketing. You know, I'm thinking about like Kim Kardashian, you know, or like (laughs) Ronaldo. But so their their data, their numbers, their videos, their monetizations there. But you've got to think that a large portion of it if not more than 50% might be completely negative reactions to the yeah. content. So it's like, you have to deal with like, I am going to sort of go forth and create this and build my platform. I like what you said about maintaining a mission. I think that gives you an idea of always what you're going back to and what the purpose is, but it's like, if you want to succeed, you might be dealing with the negative backlash. If it's, broad enough content to reach out there right because people right. Are like they don't get it like there's a question there um so it's like it's kind of hard to you know make sense of and it's like it, you can't if you if you want success online there's always going to be almost like 50 percent of like people just like shit talking on it which is mm. not sure what to do about that it's just like kind of the nature of it i would guess i've been not reading much of the comments on youtube because people just like you know that's that's a nature yeah, yeah. For some reason, that's the nature of YouTube specifically is very like criticism driven. So, but it's like, who cares? You know, if your numbers are good, like whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes it's it's a it's a moral dilemma almost because like you could be putting something that you not you don't agree with, but it will get the most reactions because it's very controversial. So it, it's it's sometimes I mean, I don't come across that too often but like i said with that video it sometimes does happen like I, i've definitely gotten a lot of um 
push back on that video because people reach out to me and go like, Hey dude, like I heard some kid was doing this. And it's, I'm like, dude, the influence is not in the right direction. Like, is this, is this okay? Like, um, so I guess how I battled that is just like kind of thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm adhering to the people that actually want to see the content. Like I'm focusing on like, this was supposed to just be a funny thing. And now I have to put disclaimers on like, this is a broken head. Like you need to not do this at your high school. <laughs> I mean, this so, is the nature of, of viral things though. It's like, yeah. you don't get to decide what it means and like who it influences and like, why are you responsible for some kid breaking a new head? Right. Like that's right. not your responsibility. Like the one chip challenge and then someone's dying and it's like, yo, like the video didn't possess you. Like, the, right. you know, like there's like blame the parents, like, because the kid <laughs> has no critical thinking skills. Like we're not, you're not, you're not responsible for that. Like, I kind of don't think you need to worry too much about that. If you were like, if you posted something that was slanderous or if you post something that represented another brand or like an organization wrong, yeah, there's no question, but it's like drumhead manufacturers that are in our activity understand that the heads change very frequently and you we know these people they wouldn't be like you're portraying evans badly because that's an evans head like it's all good like drum heads break they're made to break right 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 yep i agree with you i think that's why i still kind of just post it anyway because i still i think i believe in that more so than just like not posting it for the sake of like trying to shelter some people or like putting the fault on myself because i i know that i'm not at fault it's just it's a more like i said it's more like a moral dilemma like do i have this much influence to like change how people act towards their instruments like hmm, something to think about you know and not to say that that weighs on heavily but it's definitely there well i think i think your responsibility in in that way is less about what's in the content and who you represent so Hmm. if you are a content company like yourselves and you only are giving access to blue doubles vanguard boston and blue coats yeah no other core gets to do takeovers and you don't film any other core that's where i would be like hey like you're not representing this accurately because like those are four cores of the most well-funded richest drum cores probably i don't i'm done the budgets in front of me if someone wants to holler at me i'm sure there's a relationship there but it's like you don't do that right you're very cognizant of like giving insight and giving access to cores of all competitive mm-hmm. levels and that's the type of thing that i think would be more of like a blind spot than like oh like why would you break a drum head like why would you okay there's like okay why would we march sideways and crab when it's going to hurt all yeah. of our hips later why would we like <laughs> we all have we're allowed to make these choices like it's not that big of a deal but i think it seems to me like you guys have your head wrapped around like how you represent the activity fairly across a variety of spectrum highs, lows, and in-betweens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you pretty much hit it. I mean, we're just trying to be good people in the good activity, you know? So, and that gives me some reassurance too. It makes me feel better about (laughs) putting stuff up because it's not going to be my, my fault. (laughs) I know. And dude, it's tough because the reality is like the top groups get the most views. So that, I mean, you're going to produce quality content across the board. Like I was watching some video Mandarins earlier. I was like, oh, like this makes Mandarins look really good. Like Mm -hmm. um, in general, and it's like, they weren't bad. You know, they're not a top three drum line, but they are good. And you're showing that they are good. Right. Um, But I have to imagine like the groups that win the, you know, the powerhouses, the brand name drum cores and indoor drum lines, like that's just how this works. Right. So 
you almost take a hit when you go like, Hey, I'm going to film this open class group. Like we're going to put these groups, you know, and blast them out there. And it's like, you might not get as many views, but I think you're going to earn the trust and the viewership and the subscription of people who are in those groups. And that does matter a lot. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you are showing them because they are there and there's good stuff in open class and there's good stuff in the lower end of DCI. And you don't really see that a lot. Same thing with front ensemble, you know, it's like a whole culture that hasn't grown as much yet. The drumline lot culture goes back to the like late nineties, the front ensemble video lot culture just isn't caught up yet. And like, that's something that people are always so as much front representation. It's like the whole thing has not gotten there yet. I don't know what to do about that. Cause I'm not in the lot filming, but I think that conversation yeah. is out there. I'm sure you've heard it already quite a bit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah, that's true, man. That's a great thing to bring up to light because the lot, the battery situation, like you said, has been around for a while and everyone hypes it up, but the front ensemble, they don't get as much love. And I don't honestly know why I, I, I like the battery thing because I'm a battery. Member. I I'd assume yeah. if I was the same person that chose like front ensemble instruments that I might have gone the same route. Like, you know, marching blogs could have easily been more front ensemble heavy, but it's not because I'm not. <laughs> um, and that kind of ties into the, to another idea I have with marching blogs and, and continuing that mission is like trying to expand the people involved to be more representative of those sections. Uh, because I definitely don't want to just be a battery thing. It's just, I take what I know and I bank on it, you know, like I can't right. bank on something that I have no experience or knowledge around. And so, you know, I try to tell some of my friends that are um, either getting into video photography that like are front ensemble people like come come help me shoot some front ensemble it's like yeah make that happen but that's a very interesting point yeah there's something i actually have thought yeah drumline thing goes back there was like lothype.com there was a drumline archives there's like snare science like all these there's just a really like cult following of drumline people one thing about the front ensemble that comes to mind is like there, in my opinion, are probably a higher population of students in the front ensemble that are also percussion majors. So when they right. leave the activity, they're in a different side of the percussion house. We're like, these, you know, we're drumline jocks. Like, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a music degree or whatever. And it's like, I think a lot of drumline people leave and they like, they just love it and they don't do drumline anymore. And it, right it maybe leads to a bigger culture of alumni that stay connected. It leads to a bigger viewership, a bigger turnout in the lot, people that were in the group or our fans. Um, so I don't know that that might be baloney. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know much about that, but I would I, just thinking about, you know, the people I've taught, it's like, I think more of the front people are like classically trained percussionists that kind of just go off and do, you know, that, that side of thing. I don't know. Right. I could just be providing an excuse. Yeah. No, that's a good point because I, I think drumline people don't have another avenue. Like battery is only marching percussion. Like you don't really see, you don't see it at all actually in the concert setting. You know, you don't see those instruments there, the, the type of vibe that they have. But with the front ensemble, you have a similar world. Uh, you're you you have you know standstill instruments that can also be put into a concert setting um, or any other musical setting for that matter. Like I think battery is such a such its own world, you know, because it's, it's, we move and play and it's just weird. <laughs> well, it's dope. I think for you guys, like the front ensemble thing would be a great area to expand into. I think you have the, you know, the ability there and it's just a matter of like getting that consultation. So it's authentic. Like you said, you're not going to want to do it like from a drumline person's perspective, but mm. it's so similar. Like you really, you know, I mean, I understand the kind of taboo. It's like, I'm a snare drum guy, so I can't like 
understand the front side was like, dude, I could clean a marimba line. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't teach them marimba line how to play four mallets because I can't play four mallets, but from a rhythmic understanding from how to get better in a rehearsal, I could clean a marimba line. I have, I'm not, you know, I think we need to, you know, take those barriers down between like what a marimba and a snare drum or bass are like, they're 98% exactly the same. Yeah, I, I agree. I think both sections, they have one similar responsibility and that's timing, you know, and both have a secondary responsibility, which is why we're separate. One is moving and the other one is melodical um, contribution to the music. So, I, you know, they're both just as equally important. I think you, you spot on with that. I teach at a high school and I'm the caption head there and I also manage a front ensemble. So I totally agree. Like I can't teach you how to play four mallets, but I sure can get you to, to rehearse well and make sure you're playing your rhythms right so can you play an attack like that's that's what's the same like we play physics like our physical thing that we do um is is so similar and you know the front doesn't get as much love with the media thing and the funny thing is that they're more predominant force in the judged aspect on the field one great example that i go back to and and this is not this is just like facts it's not my opinion at all it's like everyone was like boston is the favorite to win boston's the favorite mm. to win and they got fourth because for what their front was doing if you you have to average the front and battery if anything weigh more heavily in the front because they are the default to be judged not the drum line because like you said the drum line can go out here and do this and contribute to the visual aspect and it's not that the front doesn't contribute to the visual aspect but they're right there so they're yeah. judged for a longer period of time and are more easily accessed I think that people, because they see so many drumline videos, they're like, this is what's being judged. But like just yeah. the segments of the drumline exposures are really what is sampled on the field. And then when they're not, the front's got to be carrying a heavy ass load. And when they don't, you you get that weird striation between like Boston played like the hardest shit. And like for most of the season, they were definitely the best. I think they struggled to, to keep up with their own product because it was so hard. Mm -hmm. Um so they might have had the best drum line. You could probably argue they were. I might argue yeah. vocabulary-wise, athleticism, they, you know, it was so badass. And then it was like that you have to average both sections, and that's what creates like the percussion score, right? Or same thing with the um with indoor is like you see the book in a lot, you see the show, and it's like you really need to be thinking about just the show. Like GMU stuff in the lot last year specifically was like, okay, this is cool, like whatever, in the context of the show. That's where it's at. And that's where mm -hmm. it needs to be really assessed. And what we experience through through the media outlets we have, and then what is actually assessed are are not always the same. I think people kind of get trapped in like, well, I'm seeing this video and this is what I see. And that's yeah. my opinion. It's like, well, these groups don't even stand still. You know what I mean? Like we move, you got to play well on the move. That's like the real, real. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's something that like people love to judge a video online and it's not even where yeah. it matters. Like it matters to the culture maybe, but to like the actual result. And then funny thing, enough, funny enough, people try to like take what they saw in a video and then compare it to the score that actually comes out. It's like, dude, you were not there. And then you saw this video and you're putting two things together that just don't make sense. It's like, Even if you're in the stands, you, if WGI, if you're there, you can see how things shake out. You can really tell because like when I watch Pulse in the lot, they were like this good. And then when I watched them inside, they were like this good. And they mm -hmm. were really good outside, but you could hear this stuff, right? And mm -hmm. they all heard it too. Inside, they were perfect. I didn't hear 
a thing, right? So it's like you can have understanding if you're alive, but for DCI, if you're not on the field with the judge, you really have no clue what's going on. The drumline clarity and quality and trying to split first through seventh, like you really have to be in that seat. You almost don't understand it unless you are literally on the field doing it then with them. So it's, it's tough because we want to get it, you know, we all want to be kind of, you know, the couch critic and like do the thing that sports people do. And it's even harder because we don't have like the play by play and we don't have, you know, the, the best thing we have is like, you know, the lot videos. And then of course, I mean, really like the, you know, the GoPro thing is, is cool. It doesn't allow you the full line clarity, but it definitely gives you the experience, which I think is really, really pretty awesome. Um, even though we get scared as instructors when, you know, Vic Firth comes around at the end and they're like, we're throwing the GoPro on. We're like, uh, good. this better be good. That's awesome. So, um, so to wrap this up, if you could go talk to your, you know, former self, maybe your age out year or even younger, and you could kind of give yourself one piece of advice. Now that you know what you know, 100,000 followers on Instagram later, a brand built and building more later, what would you kind of tell your younger self? Like younger as in the beginning of the brand or? Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get into this and I don't really know what I'm doing. And now that you're sort of <laughs> this many seasons in this many years in, what would you, you know, what's the most valuable lesson that you learned that you, you know, would impart on yourself? Um, well, I will start by saying, I don't know that I would want to change anything. I think everything's been naturally playing out like comfortably in, in the right. Like I, I don't look back at marching vlogs and go, dang, I should have done that differently. Um, and I think that's, to testament to how I like think about marching vlogs. Like I still to this day, just keep asking myself, what can I do to prolong marching vlogs? Like, cause I, I know that like businesses and brands just die because they just don't get any love or they don't get any effort. So that's my biggest thing is like making sure that I continue to think about what I can do to build the brand. So I don't know, just stick with it. Be patient. That's what I'd say. Uh, there were frustrating moments for sure. Like, there's been countless times where I'm like, is this worth my time? Do I want to keep doing this? But every time I push through that, I always get a, another reason why as to why I keep doing this, whether it be the people involved, like the networking. Like, I don't think I would have ever met you if I didn't do this. Um, I wouldn't have gotten the job at Vanguard. I wouldn't have made the marching vlogs drumline, uh, which by the way, has been like totally one of my biggest endeavors that I've ever accomplished. Uh, and that only came through because I started marching vlogs. So I would probably just tell myself like, dude, you don't know what's about to be ahead of you. Be patient, keep working, be consistent, uh, you know, keep your head down and be proud when things come to fruition. So, yeah. Love it, man. Well, this is super cool. I love getting to just like talk with people who are kind of in the mud with just doing the thing you know it seems so easy from the outside like you have it rolling you've got this following and um there's a natural flow and momentum to it now but you had to go through the process of learning you literally told me you didn't even get trained or really you kind of are self-taught so it's like just taking that chance is super cool and it's awesome to see like you know i'm i'm always trying to go behind the curtain just learn more for what I'm doing, because mm -hmm. what you're going through is what I went through with designing or what I went through with teaching too. Like we all kind of go through, like, I don't really know what this is. And then you just 
just keep going until you're you're in it. So I'm a big fan of what y'all do. And, you know, I'm looking forward to collaborating with you guys and and miking up and getting the tripod set up and getting, you know, kind of capturing these moments that are just like super amazing. You know, I'm so excited to see that documentary you're talking about from last year's indoor. So we'll talk off camera about what, what the plans are that you maybe didn't want to share uh, for the public. Yeah. But uh, sure. dude, thank you. Thank you so much for getting on here and everyone uh, help me. Thank Sergio. And uh, thanks for listening. Subscribe, like go follow marching vlogs across the various platforms we discussed on here. And uh, Sergio, where can they find you on Instagram as well? Uh, my Instagram is Sir Go Boy, two Y's at the end. So S E R G O B O Y Y. Um, you can pretty much find anything on there. I have links set up and everything to, to reach out to me, DM me. I have, uh, I have marchingvlogs.com. You can go there, uh, check out what we have to offer. Um, the set, the website's set up in a way where you can kind of go through everything we've done in the past. And it, it organizes in a way where you can reach out, whatever else. So yeah, marchingvlogs.com and Sir Go Boy on Instagram. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Peace.